Hello beautiful people, welcome to the very first episode of Another Job Bites the Dust, which is my series of interviews with uh, various immigrant artists living in the UK from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of working in all sorts of artistic mediums and from as many countries of the world as I can find. Um, the topics will range, well, from their art to their story of how they ended up in the UK, what's their perception of the art scene in the UK, to anything and everything that comes up during the conversation. Hopefully we'll all get to have a good time. Hopefully uh, we all learn something. Um, the very first episode that I'm just prefacing now is with my very good friend Anouk Lever, whose surname I might have pronounced because I barely say it or use it. <laughs> she is a poet and a photographer from France. I've picked her brain again on some of those immigrant stories, on her background, on her experiences. And I just wanted to say before we start that while we've covered many topics, some of them, some of you might find uncomfortable and that is perfectly fine. I just wanted to give you your heads up, your warning that if you do hear a topic that you are not comfortable with, that is too close to home, this is not compulsory viewing. Um, you're very welcome to turn it off. I, you don't need to suffer for me. That being said, we are trying to have honest adult conversations and this has been your warning. I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Let's get right to it. Hello, Anouk. Hello, Silas. Yes. So you are a poet, photographer, and you're also French. Yes. <laughs> so my first question to you is, which one of these was the biggest disappointment to your parents? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was saying that one. Oh. <laughs> French part? <laughs> Think it's a disappointment for everybody? Ah, I mean, yeah, there must have been a surprise. It's like, she's born here. <laughs> she's one of us. Yes. Right. Cool. Well, I, this is all about you, and I want to find out about your story. So, why photography? Why the arts? Why the UK? Hmm. Uh, I don't really know why photography. Well, the arts, I think, was always there right. ever since I was a kid. My mother's very artistic. Okay. And she would take a lot of pictures of us. Mm -hmm. So she would like sew some clothes. Sometimes she would make. Uh, Costumes out of leaves. Oh, was she like the annoying one? I was like, go back, I, I need yes. to take another. Yeah, it would take hours and hours. It was so fucking boring. But <laughs> she would, it would last for hours. But now I'm so happy because I have those beautiful cameras and photos and photo mm. albums. Yeah. Uh, she was writing to a lot and she was singing and playing the guitar in the streets. Right. That was her little job when she was younger. Oh, was she like a busker? Yes. Cool. Yeah, that was cool. And like she was doing, as you were growing up, your mom was like, I'm going busking, I'll be back in four hours. No, when, uh, I think she continued that when we were very young and then she kind of stopped. Okay. Because we lived in a very small town and it wasn't really uh, well received. <laughs> <laughs> that little Jewish lady with her guitar singing Bob Dylan was not her. <laughs> okay, was not a hit in the small French town of... Uh, of uh, you want to know the name yeah, of that? Yeah, Monton? Which I'm not gonna try and say. Don't it, try. It means chi. It means chi. Okay. Uh, friends. So you can't go <laughs> deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
So this is what? This is south? South, south, south? South, south side. Border of Italy. Okay. So I can walk to Italy, basically. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, so cheap good cigarettes. food from two countries, huh? Yes, exactly. More nice. Italian. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Nice weather. Right. So mom's doing some busking, but then obviously... But yeah, you're aware of that happening growing up and you're like... Yeah, and she was ve she's always been very artistic and she... Uh, well, when she was younger, she traveled a lot. Right. The entire world. And she uh, showed me all of her poems that she wrote while she was traveling. It was cool. Beautiful. She was a beautiful writer. She loved absolutely adult books. She still does, actually. She's an avid reader. Mm. So she would read a lot of poetry to me when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think Baudelaire, mostly. And although I couldn't really understand the words, I could... To me, he was a singer. Because right. in my head, it was songs. Because okay. I could understand the rhythm, and the, sometimes it was sad and happy and longing, and it was I could feel it without really understanding the words. Okay. So I think that that's where it came. I wanted to be a poet. Right. I wanted to... To me, poetry was like... Um, I don't know, it was... Being an artist was being free. Yeah, I mean, in some sense it is. Yeah, it but is. In other sense, it's a lot of hard it's work. It's a lot of hard work, yes. <laughs> but it felt like you could see, you could be happy anywhere and every time if you're an artist. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think, yeah, at the end of the day, you can create anywhere and you can enjoy yeah. life anywhere. And yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's like a really good way of enjoying life. Whether it's yeah. like, even just like the trees and the birds and the sun and the, yeah. like all that shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I, I go walking every now and then. Like, I, this is my new thing for relaxing, yeah. which is I go for a walk and I just enjoy a sunset. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what my mother used to do too. She taught me how to, you know, smell the flowers and talk to birds in the street, which was super embarrassing, but... Okay, so, artistic French lady, yeah? A very artistic French lady. Talk, very. talk to birds. <laughs> yes, she loves to talk to birds. She does that still. And uh, I was super embarrassing when I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I realized I'm doing that too. Without realizing. You know what? You know what? I caught myself talking to a bird the other day. If it works for you, who is anyone to judge? And now I get it. I get it. I understand her because there's a bird and it's so cute and you have Wait, to tell oh, the bird. But hang on, so when you say talking to birds, because everybody talks to dogs like, oh my god, so you're so adorable. No, so or do you mean like an actual full on, so how was your day? Oh yeah, full on uh, conversation. Your, yeah, yeah. Full on conversation like, with you birds. You must have some very vicious debates with birds about politics. No, they're actually pretty cool. Okay. They're really chill. Okay. Yeah, they're usually like, I'm just chill. Not a lot of hardcore, you know. No, I mean, it happens sometimes with crows, and, you know, sometimes they get a bit of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they love a debate. Mm. Yeah. I bet, I bet, I bet they do. Yeah, so I think it comes from my mother. Okay. And how did your dad take to it? Because obviously, yeah. like, Parents take their own way every single one yeah. of them and then... I think my dad... Uh, so I'm, I don't think my dad really enjoyed that part of my mother. Okay. I think he wanted her to be more traditional, because my father was very traditional. Okay. So my mother slowly became less artistic until she stopped creating, stopped listening to music, stopped mm. reading. So after a while, it was just like she just became a housewife. Was she happy with it? No, she wasn't. Okay. No. So it's... No, yeah, I was pretty sad, but now she's getting back to it. So that's good. But my father wasn't very um, artistic. Right. Not, he wasn't an artist, no. No. Maybe he could have been in another life. So we know where the disappointment is <laughs> in the family. 
Yes. I know because the only reason I brought that up because when you're an artist, there's already that thing of how your family takes it. When you're an immigrant and an artist, and it's like every night again you get a phone call, it's like, what are you doing? Are you still doing your thing? Yeah, yeah. well, my mother gets it, and I think she can. You know how your parents breed you to be like doctors and lawyers? Yeah, they want you to do yeah. well and be rich and happy yeah, and healthy exactly. and all I that. I think my mother did the exact opposite. She wanted me to be an artist. I think she wanted me to do all the things she couldn't. Okay, that's... My father... Books worth of stories in there. But my father, on the other hand, was not... He wanted me to do good in school and mm. he wanted me to be a lawyer, doctor, scientist mm. or whatever. He didn't believe that women could be artists. Ouch. That's only men. That's a lot to put on someone's shoulders. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I don't like. I re he asked me one time. I was maybe eleven, and he asked me what I wanted to be when I was growing up. Yeah. I was like, oh, that I want to be an artist. I want to okay. be a poet and rule yeah. the street of Paris and like. And he laughed and he said, like, woman can be artist. Like, don't be ridiculous. And women are muse. And he said, you're not really pretty enough to be a muse. Um, so I'm finding out that French parents and Eastern Europeans are not that different. They're, no, brutally, uh, brutally <laughs> honest. Oh, my. So I found out okay. that I was a woman. That oh, that must have been a shock. That was, I never thought of it as like, I'm a woman. I was like 11. I was mm. like, I'm like part I'm of the boys and the girls. and I'm the living my life. Yeah, exactly. And ah. I found out I wasn't pretty enough to be a... So you had the, your first clash with like specific gender roles. Yes. Like, this is what you are and this is what you do. Yes. Because... Uh. Yes, exactly. And it was super... Right. So I cried myself to sleep for months and months. So it disappointed was, to be was, a woman. It was... I know, it was horrible. Oof. And also, like, I wasn't... I couldn't be amused either. Because I wasn't, like, pretty enough. Because I never... Again, I know You're 11. You don't think about the way you look. Like, it's just like... You don't even look at yourself in the mirror. That you're not even aware of it. No, you're not aware no. of it. So that was a lot of discovery that day. And then a few months later, I think my mother, I think it was on TV, she called me from the living room and she was mm. like, look, look, look. And it was on the TV, there was this woman with messy hair and tight black pants and a t-shirt, skinny. She had big mustache, hair under her armpits. She was crawling on the stage and she started like, talking at first like really slowly with a very gentle voice mm. and then it started like rising and rising and rising and then she was like full on screaming and singing and then there was the guitar and she was spitting on the stage. Was this Yoko Ono or? It was Patti Smith. Okay. And I was just like, holy shit, like I was so disturbed, so terrified and completely fascinated. She had like this raw sexual energy and she was just like, like... Just present. Just like there. And I was like, wait, she's a woman? That's art? Hmm. My father was full of shit. She's not pretty like a muse, but she's absolutely gorgeous. And she's making you feel stuff. And she's like, she made me like, it was a bit terrifying because at the time it was a bit sexual. I couldn't really... I couldn't verbalize it, yeah. but what I was feeling was like this like, mm -hmm. deep like, sexual energy. And I was like, I'm not sure what's happening, but I kind of like it, but I'm kind of yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a new thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a big thing. And t since then I was like, oh, my father's full of shit. 
Yeah, we all find out at some point. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly that way, but we all like, okay, parents are gods when you're little, and then over time you're like, oh, they're actually just people. They're and just then, people. And yeah. then you find yeah. out, oh, they're somewhat broken people as well. I know, yeah, they're so Oof. fucked up. Can and be. then you're like, oh, I just, everything they were saying was, your, is your reality, is mm. your truth. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, maybe that wasn't right. Yeah, and then, and then like the final phase of that is going, oh, that's, that's what the best they had. And they like, they did all that because they loved you. And yeah. that's when you go, oh, God. And because they had <clears throat> their limitation. Yeah. Yeah, no, so absolutely. they did what they could with like their only like it's like some people can see everything, other people can see this, other that, and it's not really on them at some point. It's, yeah. It is. I mean, it's, it's on them, but it's not like you can't punish them for it. I no. Guess. Yeah, no. There's no point. Like they did it because that's what they thought was best. Like they were trying to do good, and that's They're, what they did. Probably, yeah. Imagine if they were trying to do bad. Like. Oh yeah, I don't think like my father wasn't. Mm. I don't think he realized that he, he broke my heart that day. I think he just wanted to be like, well, you will never be successful because you're a woman and you can be an yeah. artist. He actually believed that. I so mean, yeah. for him, it makes sense. Yeah, obviously. He's like, he's trying to protect you from the heartbreak. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a, wow. It's a fascinating, weird and complex situation to be in. My, my dad just told me off because I, I was watching this concert sort of pirated obviously I'm I'm from Eastern Europe I yeah. didn't play didn't of pay course. for half of the stuff I consumed <laughs> uh, but yes yeah, so I'm watching this concert I'm like completely moved by it by this music and I'm like oh my god dad I want to learn how to play the saxophone can you just buy me a saxophone I want cool. to learn how to play and my dad went on a rant you think I'm gonna spend money on that just so you can you know have a bit of fun just so you can have a laugh and then you think I'm gonna spend money on all that stuff and then you just give it up and you move no get your head you know screw your head back on think properly I was like okay <laughs> to be fair to him I he did get me uh, like a not a piano but you know the electric ones oh yeah keyboard oh. he got me a keyboard like when I was little and he actually paid someone to give me classes but after a while I just kind of gave it up yeah and that and if was... you give it up once then your parents are like that's done nah. yeah see nah. told you you would now nothing else yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it was I'd... the same I wanted to play the violin okay that's, that was my dream to be a I just wanted to play. It just looked so beautiful, and the sound is like yeah, it's crying. It's just beautiful. My cousin does. And did. It's beautiful, right? And my mother was like, "Yeah, oh, we have like your cousin used to play the flute, and she has one for free. So it's the same thing." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, <laughs> sure." I didn't know what the fucking flute was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not the same thing at all, and I had to play that shit for seven years. So you know how to play the flute? I know how to play. <laughs> yes. So I need to start a band of people that play instruments that they gave up on. Just, or just, yeah. or just grudgingly play I an know. instrument like, Mom, I'm doing I this know, for you. Exactly, because you have to. It was at the conservatoire. Conservatoire? Conservatoire, yes. So you had like, twice a week you had Just a, for the record, because this is filming in Scotland. It wasn't at the Scottish Glasgow Conservatoire. It no, was somewhere in France. It was somewhere in France, yes. And I was like... So twice a week you had to read, learn how to read the music, like self, like yeah, yeah, reading lessons. Yeah, read and It's fucking annoying. And then you have all those like fucking auditions and shit. And you have to practice for an hour every night. And I was like, I don't, I want to play the fucking violin. Like that's not, it's not, it doesn't even resemble a violin. Oh, you, it's such it's, a weird rebellious thing. It's like, I want to play the violin. I want to <laughs> be me. I don't want to play the flute, mom. Because I was so, because we, we didn't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. 
So all my clothes, because we were very close to my cousins. Mm. So I had three big cousins mm. and one big sister, right? So everything I own came from my biggest cousin, then my small cousins, then my sister, then me. Yeah, so by the time I had the toys and the clothes, it was a fucking, like it was shit. Like all the toys had no batteries anymore, so you couldn't play with it. Like the toys were like, like the clothes were stained and had holes in it. When my cousin had all the best shit, I mean, it was kind of Passover already. So I always had like the fucking leftovers and I wanted the shiny fucking violin. To be fair, so violins can be ridiculously expensive. It's, like the high-end so ones expensive. we're talking. It's also like once you learn, when you're learning, it's fucking unbearable. It's not like the guitar or the piano it where just it's pretty, bad. it just sounds horrible. And it takes years for it to sound okay. Because I had a friend who was playing the violin and she's like, oh, it's been four years. And we're like, okay, she's gonna, oh my God, it was unbearable. It's unbearable. Sorry Piano, to the friend. Can... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're about to find something out about yourself. <laughs> I think I told her. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's what friends are for. I mean, you have to at some point. Stop it. She was also bragging too much, and I was like, well, uh, you suck. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, yes. And here's another thing. Right, okay. I mean, uh, talk, uh, just, I just noted this thing about you falling, falling in love with this very Patti Smith, right? Mm -hmm. Very sort of visceral and in-your-face aggressive mm. sort of performance. Yeah. And obviously, I've seen some of your work. Yeah. Uh, the Glasgow School of Art. <laughs> and I mean, like, you do not shy away from, let's say, uncomfortable or downright, you know, no. challenging topics. I do not. I think it's a, it's a gift. It's also a curse. A, curse. <laughs> a lot of people don't like it. But I was, I'm terrified of denial. Right. I think it is the most dangerous thing. Denying yourself? Or? Everything, all of the sense, every denial. I lived in, um, so my, f my family, we had this thing we were presenting to the world, mm -hmm. and then we had reality. Yeah, I mean, most right. families, I yes. think you'll agree. I think we were very extreme. Okay. So we were showing this perfect family with the father who works, comes home every night, the housewife that's like cleaning and taking care of the kids, the two little blonde, cute girls who are perfect. Not muses, but you know. Not muses, yes, not pretty enough to be muses, but still kind of cute, <laughs> in their way. God. Well, it's actually funny because he, my father didn't think I'm, I was pretty, but he, I'm the one who resembled him the most. Like, oh. I'm him. Oh. So I think it has to do more. It took me a long time to, like, realize that and to realize that it's not on me or the way I look. It's just because he hated himself. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's, like, layers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, back to denial, because I threw you yeah, on there. Yeah, to denial. Yeah, and I, I saw, like... I started, like, my mother started talking a bit about, like, things that were not okay. And then my sister did it, and then my, I started Sort of revealing, sort of... Yeah, a little bit, like... Okay. Putting some light into, like, the shadow. And I've realized that people, they could probably kill you to protect their denial. They want to live their own lie, and they'll be willing to do anything to shut you up. 
They can be, yeah. If and depending on how important that lie is. To them, yes, exactly. If it's and a, yeah. I think it's like a muscle too. So like, if you use denial as a coping mechanism, then it's gonna become like denial about everything. Just everything around hmm. you is gonna become denial. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, that can absolutely happen because uh, once you sort of explain, let's say, the first denial then you can al you always have that as a reference point. Yeah. And it's a bit like law where, you know, they have like a historical precedent. Once you've set the precedent for mm -hmm. yourself, you can always start, you got something to re refer yeah. back to and be like, well, maybe I can apply it in this case mm -hmm. as well. It works there, why it not try there. Why not, exactly. And that yeah. really terrified me. And, it's, and I'm realizing now with, you know, now that I'm older, I'm realizing that I could have been helped and I could have been saved if it wasn't for everybody denied, you know? I feel like there's a lot in this conversation. No, like, I feel like I could have been helped from bad situation if mm. people were not just like in full denial around me. Right, I'm and not gonna press more because I- No, no, but that's like, and, and that's a lot of people like this. And the more you try to like dig in into people's life, you realize that most of the shit that happens to you don't need to happen. Like, especially when you're a kid or a teenager and there's like those systemic denial that like, that, and it's also in like full in society, the de societal denial that mm. is so enormous that we, I don't think we realize how big it is and how important it is. So my goal is to never live in denial. And if that means approaching every single fucking subject, then that's what's gonna happen. Because I thought if I can never have denial and be fully self-aware and have be in the true, like, truth of my life. That's how you feel, yeah. Then it's gonna show in my work and that's what's happening. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, in order to express yourself freely, you need to understand yourself first and foremost. Exactly, and you have to have some self-knowledge, and you can do that with if you're, Yeah, if you're shutting parts yeah. of yourself off. And that's something, mm. it's either you're in or you're out, but I'm not gonna change that. Yeah, and it's, it's very much a habit, because if you're not in it, if, you, if you're not brought up with the habit, if, you, if you're told otherwise and you're taught otherwise, then it's very uncomfortable to do in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But once you actually realize, no, I can manage it, like, I'm guessing by denial, you don't mean I'm gonna tell every single person everything I think all the time, no, 24 seven, because sometimes of course not. it's not safe for myself. Yeah, no, you know. of course, and you wanna protect someone's feelings, and it's not about like the truth at all costs, it's about the truth about things that matter. Yeah, and also, you know. And don't t not telling myself I'm okay when I'm not, or this situation is okay when it's not, and even if that means sometimes I'm wrong, and sometimes I will believe my truth. No, yeah, absolutely. Say I'm wrong when I am, but not not take any anything I'm not okay with. No, that's that's fair. Like I, the one thing I'm learning now, talking about sort of denial, is like, you know, obviously, it's okay for some things to keep to yourself, but like you don't have to. Yeah. If someone thinks, oh, that's not cool, but I think this is amazing and I love it, you know, I make jokes all the time, and some people are like, oh, well, that's not funny, and I'm like, well, it was funny to me, and you know what? Oh, yeah. You have the right to say that. And I'm not gonna, you. and you know, it might yeah. not tell the same joke to you again or similar jokes to you because mm -hmm. you don't like them. But I have a wee chuckle to myself. I don't have to cut parts of myself up to fit you. Yes, exactly. I can somehow manage 
being me and also respecting you. Yeah, exactly. But like, see, for my last pro for the last project I did, I didn't want to respect people' sense of safety. Yeah, and privacy. And privacy. Yeah. I wanted to go all in, and I wanted to. Because at some point, yeah, it's nice to protect everyone's feeling, but who's protecting their feelings of the ladies I interviewed? And it yeah. was like, and that's that's a societal denial. And yeah. That is systemic, and that is something no one wants to hear about, but it's happening and it's there. So at some point, it's like it's good to protect people's feeling, but it's also good to be like, okay, now take a look in the mirror and take a look around you and stop that lie you're telling yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, levels of society becomes even more complex because obviously not like you can't say that people live by one idea, but you see trends and mm -hmm. you have different ways people adapt, and there's like so many moving parts that it's it is, crazy it is. to piece it together. But it's almost impossible. But you you can say that society at least leans in one direction as opposed to another. You can probably say that without you know being biased. Absolutely, and yeah. Yeah, right. It's, I think, there's, I think most societies have denial in one respect or another. It's just oh yeah, definitely. And that's fine until it hurts. And usually that's the thing, your own private denial will hurt someone else. Yeah, as a Because if you're in denial effect. of something that's happening, you can't protect anyone and you can't do anything. So mm. you just close your eyes and pretend like it's not happening. So when it comes to your art, you're trying to be as honest Yes. And Yes. raw as well, you can be. Well, that's is something that, and I think that's what really fascinated and like terrorized me so much about Patti Smith when I was a kid. It's the rage, mm. the female rage. Because I'd never seen that. I'd seen men's rage, but a yeah. woman's full-on raw rage is something I never saw and I don't, didn't think I could have that in me. Mm. I never saw my mother having like a full rage tantrum. Yeah, that's interesting because sometimes by omission you create an image. By not portraying it or showing it, people yeah. get the wrong idea. Yeah, exactly. And even like in movies or in literature when there's like hysteria, right? Yes, the yeah, woman being hysterical, darling. Yeah, ex <laughs> exactly. But it's not like, it's not rage. It's not like pure anger that's justified, right? It's, it's the played, lady just loses shit for some reason. Yeah, it's, paid f it's played as a, oh, I don't know what's going on with her. Like, oh my God, she's all over she's the crazy. place. She's crazy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's not, like she doesn't Like have, she has a genuine Like Like a feeling that complaint. she's like, yeah, exactly. And a feeling that enraged her and she's just expressing it for some completely normal and okay reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's really well portrayed in, um, do you know Bergman's movie? Bergman. Mm. He's a Swedish director. I've heard of the name, actually, mm. but God, I don't think I've seen Well, I have to because I'm an actor, so yes, you know. You have to see his movies. It's I'm fucking amazing. And he shows rage and madness in women in a way that's so hmm. amazing. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm regularly mind blown by the idea that this is the, we're in the 21st century now, and we're learning how to be human. We've only been doing this for like 150,000 yeah, years, know. give or take, but like, female emotion, look at this revolutionary piece I, of art. But that's the thing, exactly. It's like, oh, women have like, emotions just like men do. What? And, and it's not just like, yeah. oh, they go, 
like they get sad because their boyfriend didn't text them back or because no it's actually like real depth of emotions yeah and a full layer of it and sometimes they get angry oof and that's okay <laughs> i mean um growing up in Eastern Europe I have seen some angry women <laughs> angry women yes I have uh, but luckily I know this, this makes it sound like oh my god his mum was like a psycho no but I have seen the occasional argument and yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's super healthy to see in the, women yeah. in a, I mean it can be very unhealthy too yeah it can I don't be think it, as, as all emotions yes but it's know. like a, you know a woman raging is can be just like a, can be as violent as a man raging like it's oh, not absolutely. can be no, I think I think I, I, I want to specify this it's not that the emotion is unhealthy there can be unhealthy expressions yes, of emotion yes exactly yes because you know yeah emotions are just their their feedback you know based yeah. on your inner world and your outer world yeah but uh, yeah the way you express it can be can be a, a bit yeah unhealthy so healthy and that's how I guess because I have a lot of rage <laughs> I think that's why I work that's why I'm an artist to find a good uh, healthy outlet for it and Fair not enough. just lose my shit and break something or break someone's Fair nose. So, I'm, so it was either this or MMA. That was it. That w yes, I have a. I actually have a fucking fascination for MMA and boxing. I think it's like the pure like expression of rage and violence that you have in you. But it's also like fighting yourself more, way more than the opponent. Because when you see an MMA fighter mm. and the guy's like has him in a chokehold and and you're like fucking tap like tap and make it soft like he's gonna break your arm he's gonna kill you like just tap and he doesn't tap he waits yeah and like that's how much can i wait and how much can i take and that's fighting yourself not the other guy yeah that's just you going i'm gonna like there's still that hope of like maybe maybe it just makes one wrong move yes yeah that's and like that's, fighting to the bitter end and that's beautiful yeah i mean that's a life lesson right there it is and i think like fighters are fucking beautiful it's it's art for me but my the is, the men in my it. family are boxers so maybe i've seen it like a lot i mean there's there's a reason that some of the most popular films are like fighter films and i know and rocky balboa like, about this whole see, speech i'm eating that shit up like all the time i i've seen every fucking fighters movie and every time i tear like that's mm. beautiful mm. he's fighting himself yeah that, oh god <laughs> now, now you're gonna get me going um yeah no absolutely it's um there's a lot you can a lot you, you can learn from different yeah facets of oh yeah different activities and stuff like that oh yeah i'm taking everything like i don't have a because i used to be judging like I, I was brought up like this is the right way, this is art that is not art, this yeah. is what people do that's common and lower class. And it's not like my parents were like this was mostly my mom. It's not like they were like middle class. We were mm. poor by Romanian standards. Yeah. But there was a very sort of middle upper class sensitivity and yeah. sensibility of like you know, if you get like even now I get you know, I get a call about, you know, you're doing this stand up thing. What kind of people go there? You know, is it like you know, is it people that present themselves or mm. just the riffraff? And I'm like, Mom, it's comedy. Everybody can go. Yeah. That's the whole point. Mm. But again, they just want me to be, you know, live a good life and be happy and healthy. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, I don't have I used to have that. I don't. I watch everything and I listen to everything. Like I fucking love Britney Spears. 
Yeah, I mean, I come on. I think she's a fucking, like, see a song like Toxic? It works. All the songs, it works. You're like, that's, uh, yeah, that worked. I'm like, that's kind of like, it, like, it makes me, it, I keep it in my head. You know, like, every, like there's, you know, it's all human expression and different facets and different ver- yeah. different feelings and emo- moods. And then whenever I feel like it, I'll put it on. I don't exactly. Care. And it, I mean, if it works, it works. Yeah. I watched every Twilight movie. I've seen the first one. I've seen them all. But I was a teenage boy, so I'm, I was somewhat biased against well, it. Well, I think if it's a huge societal like success like this, I mm. want to see... And I get the Twilight because I used to be... When I was a teenager, I would watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. So the whole thing of like the vampire forbidden love, that's like teenage girls like, in that shit up, like of course. Yeah. And even like in the last Twilight, she gets pregnant. Mm. And the baby is a vampire, so it's eating yeah. her from the inside. And she has to, she gets some skinny, and then she like, when she gives birth, it breaks her spine like in two. Trap. I was like, shit, that's like a fucking analogy for motherhood or for someone who didn't have like a, the great experience in motherhood. And that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that in that sense, I guess I just. Again, I was somewhat biased against it being a teenage boy. Oh yeah, of course. So I no, never. No, I mean it's not good movies. <laughs> I didn't go that far into it, but no, I, yeah, there's there's something in it. There's you know? something in it. It's not and just something that works. Female hysteria. They're watching yeah. this thing. Yeah, no, no, of course not. I kind of had that feeling when I watched um, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Because I couldn't, I couldn't read the book. I haven't read the book. I, I, I saw the film. I saw the of... first one. Me and my sister, we had the shittiest day of like fucking shitty day. And I was like, we cannot end that day like this. Let's watch the sh- like the funniest movie we can watch. We went to see Fifty Shades of Grey thinking in it was going to be in the cinema. Okay. Thinking it was going to be hilarious. We're going to get like have a just few drinks before and just laugh at how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen. We just got really sad. We just, it was just, so there was just girls in the cinema. 20, 25 year old girls, fucking like, like, oh my God, the whole time. Like, no irony in it. They were fucking fantasizing about that creep who, if you remove the money, it's a really problematic. No, no, it, no, no, Fifty Shades of Grey, the guy doesn't have any money. It's, He's just a creep. It's a horror film. Yeah, it is. And they, or, or just a Friday night in, in Sucky Hall Street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but so we, sometimes it is. Come on. Oh, it, oh, yes. So we were watching that, and at first we were laughing, and then we just got sad, and we were like, Jesus, what, what is wrong with women's, like, female sexuality, that they're so fucking deprived of any kind of I mean, satisfaction it? that they're watching that was shit. It 365 days. That was the recent one that yeah. pissed people off. Holy shit! That, that was so that, that so that was Fifty Shades of Grey. But if he was like a gangster, basically. yes. But it's even like because Fifty Shades. I was expecting some BDSM. It was mm-hmm. just a spanking. Like the shit. Like it's fine. Come on. Like it's not like come. I'm gonna look around at you. Now these are pristine walls. I'm not seeing any. There's not, not yet. I just. She doesn't have a lot of dark colors, so I mean. <laughs> But uh, the 365 yeah. points. I haven't seen it. I just heard about the reaction. And I've had female well, friends that hated it. And I've seen it. Mostly hated it. I've w- I started watching it. It gave me anxiety. That mm. is rape culture in every single... Like, that is not okay. Like, it's not okay. I am not going to defend it because I have not seen it. So I've got 
what I have heard, like the basic premise, it's not something that I'd be like, yeah, you know what, that's a healthy representation. Yeah, of. no, no, no. Like, and I don't. Like, you can get away with it if you if you put it as a fantasy, as it was someone specific fantasy. I think you can get away because that's the thing. Like, the but you rape, preface it as such. Well, I had a big conversation with a friend about fantasies. Right. That friend had a fantasy. Right. And I might have to uh, just that one word. I might have to beep it because YouTube does not like that word. Oh, that's sorry. Oh, see, no, no, no. I'm just. I'm just note to self. Keep talking. I'm okay. Just so how can I ask? Just keep talking. Okay. And my other friend was saying that that fantasy was not feminist. Mm. I was like, well, it's a fantasy, so we don't care if it's like it's just it's not a it's not a real thing. So I think those kind of movies would be amazing if it was directed by a woman. Could turn that into because obviously, if it's a fantasy and you plan to do that, then there's full consent. So mm. it's not. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, it's like there's the. I heard this term that was fascinating, which is consensual non-consent. Yeah, so exactly. We, we agree that we're gonna have this experience, and which yeah. is like we previously agreed that there's gonna be a non-consenting experience. Exactly. And then there's always a safe word, and there's always yeah. something that can get you out of it. Yeah, I think. So it's not. I think that's the one way I can see that film sort of being, like, that's the argument you can make for it. As like, if you treat it as such that it's fine, still, it's gonna be uncomfortable for many people. Yeah. But for the people that have that specific fantasy, they'll be okay with it. Yeah, but even then, like, it's just, again, the guy is super rich. Mm. So the lady gets kind of like, she's like, I mean, sure, he's a bit of a rape, super violent, but like, helicopter, hello, <laughs> <laughs> private jet. Yeah, I but mean, it was popular though. That was it was super popular, and I found this pretty disturbing. Oh, he bought her. He bought her a dress right after doing that horrible shit to her, where she was crying, and she was like, "No, I don't like it." But then he got her a dress, and she's like, "Oh my god, the dress!" I don't think it's a really good. Yeah, but no, then it's I've a got Netflix nothing. movie. Who gives it, a so. fuck about that movie? I haven't seen it, so I guess. But yeah, yeah it's like, I, I didn't really believe in the whole rape culture thing, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay, I, it makes sense. There, there's some of it. There's some of it, yeah. <laughs> I don't have statistics, but there'll be some of it. Mm. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fascinating thing in today's society, where it's like, we're just talking without knowing numbers. It's easy to start throwing terms around, but you're like, but well, I don't know how many people, so it's a thing, it's a factor in society. Yeah, yeah. How big or how yeah. small, I have no idea. But I think you just... But I can't deny it. It is interesting that it exists, and it, it's interesting that it's not, it's not movies made for men, it's for women. Well, men won't watch that. I think it was advertised as a film yeah. made for women. And women watch it and fantasize about it. And I think it's interesting to either see, like, because like, sex for a lot of women sucks. I can see why. I can see why too. <laughs> so I think, like, there's such a lack of like satisfaction that maybe they go like to the that extreme or to that thing because they just want to feel like passion or like mm. you know mm. they want to fantasize about the opposite that they have at home hmm. i think it's it says something sad about women's sexuality in the 21st century hmm. again not my uh 
feel not my specialty. It's like yeah, it's just sad. Like how well, desperate yeah. do you have to be to actually fantasize about that shit? Hmm. Must be really really bored. Very bored. Yeah. And when you talk to women, you realize that sex life is a. Uh, <laughs> not to the guys. <laughs> Make an effort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to think that a lot of guys do, but then you know, it's because it's hard to like gauge based on they all don't. the feedback going around. Yeah, I know, I know people that like I'd be like, okay, they would not. Yeah. I like to think that most of my friends would at least try to do something for Christ's sake. I really don't think no. I think they think they know. And if that doesn't work for you, you're the problem. Well, okay, that, it's like, you don't know. It's, I mean, I'm, am I about to do a lesson on like, healthy sex? But it's like, every person is different, you're gonna have to figure out with individuals, and you're gonna have of to course. experiment and see what sticks. Try. Yeah, of course. A lot of men don't wanna try. I have not been with a lot of men, mm -hmm. so I've got no, you know. It's just like talking to my friends and like seeing around. There's obviously a problem with women's sexuality. Mm. And we see it like we just see it with like the new law in America about like that. Yeah. Like there's there's always gonna be something wrong with women's sexuality. I mean, this is gonna be controversial, but my uh, my position on it that let's wait and see. Not because it's it's definitely not good in the short term for a lot of people. In the long term, it might actually mobilize a generation or a couple of generations that I think in the West we become a bit complacent. I agree. With yeah. accepting how, how good life is and things are going to be fine. And we're, no, we, we're never going to go back to the old ways. No. And I think there was that feeling and that idea. And I think with Brexit, people learned in the UK that, you know, sometimes people just get fed up. And if you, you think everything's going to be the way it was, the people that don't think so will actually become active yeah. and make a decision. And personally, I don't hold Brexit against anyone because I think, you know, people try to do the best choice they had based mm -hmm. on the information they had. But there was an element, a significant element of the population that thought nothing's gonna happen, why would I vote? And now here yeah. you are. No, I agree, I agree. And there's a, um, so Simone de Beauvoir, she's a, she was a French writer, philosopher, mm. and she wrote The Second Sex. It's a right. two uh, tom book about feminism. So first, I'm guessing that's us first, that, that's the first the, sex is the guys, yeah? The, the, yes. <laughs> yeah, she, she t uh, talks about women as uh, the other. Right. Right. And she says, I don't have the like quote, perfect quote, but she says something like, as soon as you're gonna think that you're comfortable and that you have your right and you're fine, like never get too settled in it because it's always gonna be a danger. So I think like for all the women who says we don't need feminists and we don't need feminism anymore, that's a good lesson to learn. It's sad that it has I don't to. know if always, but we're definitely not there yet. Oh no. Well no, I mean Hopefully those, one day we will, but there's those, still gonna be a couple of generations. Those laws are the fucking proof that it's it's a right that can be taken away like as mm. soon, like just as easy as it was to mm. gain. Actually no. It's like is very hard to gain and then very easy to remove. Take them a couple of couple of presidents. Yeah. But yeah. But they did. Well, I mean, this is this is still a developing situation, and I uh, short term is going to be very bad for a lot of women. Oh, it's um, going to be. I mean, only the women will like just feel it, mm. and we're going to go back to. I mean, they're going to go back to the time where you would die before, instead of getting a fucking abortion. I am annoyingly optimist, but I hope that it will 
it's going to take a while. But I think because of where, where we are as a society, and apparently the, the overturning is not very popular. I recently mm. saw an article that the majority of the U.S. population does not support the overturning. So that's, that's a positive thing. Yeah, the so positive how thing is it going to work? How is it going to look going forward? I have no idea. The, what would be positive would be to not have that conversation, to have those laws, and to keep it that way, and to stop fucking debating about whether it's right or wrong. Oh, yeah, in, in an ideal world. Yes. But again, keep in mind that we are still very bad at being people. Yes, we're not great at it <laughs> <laughs> yet. Well, we're working on it. Yeah, we are. We yeah. are. The other thing I was going to ask you about before, because we, we, we went on a nice little tangent there that was kind of, yeah, that was fun. Um, I was going to ask, why the UK? Well, so, because of another singer. Right, okay. I Your career is defined by singers. By singers, yes, by music. So I found, so I was a like, 13, 12-year-old girl in the south of France dreaming of being a poet yeah. and I was a little weirdo I was I mean have you met me yeah I was like I wasn't I couldn't I had this terrible horrible shyness right so like when I was a kid people thought I was deaf and mute because I would I couldn't I couldn't speak in public at all I couldn't have a mm. conversation I was just in my words I was playing my games doing my shit so as a kid, it was a bit better, but I was always with my books and my music, and I couldn't, I just didn't want anything to do with the outside world. Yeah. And I felt like a weirdo. I was also like kind of bisexual, but I had no word for it. So I was feeling kind of like, I didn't feel like a girl or like a boy. I was just like, I was just like mm -mm, there mm. with no words to explain what I was and how I was feeling. And then I discovered David Bowie. Okay. And I saw this, again, creature. I didn't know if he was a boy or girl. I had no idea, like, he had red hair and, like, the skirt and makeup, but it sang like a boy. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the mothership of our world. <laughs> of all the people who feel like me, I felt like, oh, my God, someone, there's someone like me. Right. Like, there's someone that... Is also has no idea, it's just there and you just do shit because you're there and you don't know, except that he's fully like present and like out there and he has no shame and he has no, he's just doing it. Yeah. And I remember I was watching one of his concerts and my cousin came and he was like, oh, are you? I'm like, Who's that? F I'm sorry, saying that word. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? Like, what? How do you? Like, see that and think of that word that is so, like, dirty, like, ugly and mm. insulting when there's this person that's completely bears his soul and heart to you. Yeah. And that's your reaction. And I was so fucking heartbroken. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of this town. And I thought, well, David Bowie is from England. Yeah, right. So I will be too. I will go there because that's where. And my mother. I will bring my art. Exactly, because my mother used to be. She was living in like little squats in London in the eighties, nineties. Okay. And she loved it, and she kept talking about art and people and the whole like movement, and it was amazing. So I had this idea of the UK. Right. So I started to 
I, I was listening to a lot of uh, Eminem at that time. I do love Eminem. And so I just started translating his songs and I've learned a very American English because of Eminem. Yeah. But I was like, I need to learn English because I need to go to the UK and be an artist there. Right. And that was like, I, that was set, it was what I was going to do. I didn't know when or how, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty cool story. I'm that's not it. All thanks to David Bowie. Hmm. I think a lot of people have a David Bowie to thank. Yeah, a lot of people have a David Bowie crush, I think. Oh, yes. Oh, to this yes. day. Oh, yes. That would <laughs> never, until I die. I, the one song I didn't know, oof, now it's gonna, not going to come to me, I'm going to be quite annoyed, but there's one song that I didn't know it was his. Uh, it was in A Knight's Tale when they're dancing, and then, oh, A Knight's Coming to Me in snippets, but I'm not remembering the name. But anyway, basically, like, when I came to the UK, I didn't have a lot of sort of knowledge about David Bowie, but then when I started hearing the songs, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then when I found out about the Knight's Tale and that song being his, I was like, I've been listening to this song for ages. Are we not? I just, I had it in my mind stored as like, yeah, yeah. it's a good song. Yeah. Oh, he made, I mean, he made some shitty songs, but he made some amazing things. Again, he expressed himself, you know, you, you don't vibe with all of it because that's yeah, just how exactly. it works. Exactly. And he's like, everything about him was just magic. I'm looking, I just realized that your necklace is caught on the microphone. Yeah. So maybe you should mm -hmm. adjust that so we, I don't pick up the sound constantly. I realized that moving. I was fiddling with it and I was like, oh, that's not going to be a good sound. Oh, la, 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 la. Sorry, folks. That's just, it's a work in progress. Hello, hello. You know what? You can remove it. It's not, it's my uh, chain, glasses chain. Ah, yes. okay. I like to look like an old librarian. That's a, that's a striking look, but it good. works for you. It's a look, you know. <laughs> right, so, and how are you finding being an artist in the UK? Is, is, is it everything you want to, no. is, it, is it the David Bowie experience? It's not really the David Bowie experience, but to be fair, I. I've been an artist in an art school in the UK, mm. which is, I think, pretty different than being just an artist in the world. Uh, it's not, I was, well, first of all, I had no idea where the fuck was Glasgow. I thought it was like somewhere in Sweden. Sorry, sorry, Glasgow. <laughs> sorry. So she sorry. does not represent my views, okay? That's... I'm sorry, I had <laughs> yeah. no idea. Like, no idea. I'm trying to think, when, when was the first time I heard of Glasgow? Like, did you know it was in Scotland? I mean, I knew of Scotland because Hungarian culture, for some reason, has a lot of Scottish jokes. Oh, really? Like, it's a, yeah, it's oh. all about Scots being cheap. That's the gag. <laughs> in, yeah, that's the gag in many different ways. And like, we, there's actual books of it. You know, like, I had the joke book. Mm. I don't know why, I don't know how, but we have it. So I obviously, I had the, an awareness of Scotland. Yeah. I mean, I knew of Edinburgh, obviously, because it's the capital, and we learned the yeah, capital in school. Yeah, and you knew about like the um, Loch Ness and the whole yeah. like things, but Glasgow. I, I, I knew of Glasgow because I yeah I think because we were taught in school mm. that you know it's the two big cities, and we considered Edinburgh to be the cultural capital, but Glasgow is the economic economic capital and whatnot. Mm. So I think I was aware of it that way, 
but not as in, you know, what's the life there? Yeah. You know, that's just, when you get far away from a certain part of the world, it just yeah. becomes a blur. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, so here you are so in yeah, Glasgow. I'm in Glasgow. So I found this school. I was looking for art school. Right. Back home. And mm -hmm. I just, I was looking through Google image and I saw the image of the art school here. I was like, it, so things happen in my life weirdly. Like some, I feel something. I'm like, oh, this is, like I feel something. And usually it means that things work out great. Mm. It's just, it's a feeling that I have and it happens. So I saw that school, I was like, holy shit, that's mine. That's, I need to go there. But I was so insecure. And my, I didn't, I didn't know you could, like I never thought, like you know, I wasn't raised in that, like you're not an artist, you don't live as an artist. Like it's not a job, it's not a career. It can be. Like, if you no, treat it as yes. such. But, but in my head, it, it, it never could be. It's not presented, like ar artists are not rarely presented as, you know, 95 people. Yeah, no. Which is not. like, quick side note, but like I remember watching this thing about Eminem, about when he goes to the studio to record, mm -hmm. he treats it as a 95. Yeah. Which, well, that's something I learned at the art school. Like, it's this whole idea of like, this guy never played the piano in his life and all of a sudden he's a genius. Yeah. That's, that's bullshit and that doesn't do any favor for artists because we're considered lazy, like not working, but the, the amount of work that you put into that is... Absolutely. Like, I yeah. like... It's bad for the artists who are trying to come up because then they have this idea of like, well, if I'm not like that, I'm not yeah. good enough. And I'm and supposed to be good right away, which you're not. You're not. You're Take it from really, people who have tried. You're really not. And the other thing is, it's bad for our presentation to the outside world because we're yeah. seen as these airy, floofy hippies. Yeah. While you're actually trying to work really hard to, you know, create your work, promote it, sell it, build an audience, yeah. network. Like you're trying to do so many different things. You're editing. You're yeah. And it's and f all do doing that while making no money, having no things. So trying to find money elsewhere, which is also exhausting. So it's like can be. It's a. It's a. It's not even a full-time jo job. It's like your entire life. Like there's never yeah. a point where it stops. You don't have a holiday because on a holiday you think about what you're gonna create and yeah. you don't like. It's just always there. You go to bed with that in your head and you wake up with that in your it's head. It's a bit like a cult. It's like you do it this 24/7. Is. Is. On yeah. occasion, when you get really tired, you take a break. You kind of take a break, but then when you take a break, you're like, I should take a break. I, I, I don't mind a good break. I got to that level where I'm like, I mean, I'm a workaholic. I'm aware of that, but I love yeah. working. But uh, yeah, no, yeah I can sort of take place. a break. Also, so. like, I don't get, you know, like how people say, oh, I did nothing this weekend. I just chilled. I'm like, well, I, my way of chilling is to create something. Well, yeah. So I, there's never, like, that's my way of feeling rested. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to complain about it in that sense, uh, but it is is—it is never ending and I love it. <laughs> I know, yeah, me too, oh, me too. I love it so much. I lo but that's why it's never ending because although if you don't love it, you don't do it all the time. No. There's nothing else, like there's, when I, there's nothing else I could think of doing. I love it so fucking much. Yeah. It gives my life meaning, happiness, like it's the source of everything in my life, which is yeah. maybe a bit sad, but. I don't, know. I don't know. Everybody has their own things. You know? Yeah, it's and it's mine. Yeah, some people support football teams. Some people create art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. There's a place for everything under the sun. There is, there is. Yeah, so I saw this article and I was like, well, it's apparently in the UK. Right. Which is great. And so it's related to yes, uh, there you go. That that's somewhere around it, and I thought that's that's what I, that's what I was waiting for when I was 13 years old. That's that's it. Right. But I didn't have a um, high school diploma because I quit school pretty early on. So I had to have an high school diploma. Right. So I went to night school to get it, and then I waited again. So I waited five years from where I found the school before I applied. Because I was so fucking terrified, because I thought, if that's not working out, then that's my live stream. That's done. And I don't, I'll have to just do what I do now, which is work a shitty job in my shitty hometown. There was no, I was like, there's no way I can, like I need to be there. And if that yeah. doesn't happen, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. I remember having this uh, early on in my acting when I first six months in, and I, w I wanted to be good straight away mm. again because I had this idea: if you're gonna do something, you gotta do it right. Yeah. You can't be really bad at it and mm. keep improving. You have to do it right. And me realizing that I'm not good at it, surprise, surprise. And just I remember that was my first experience with actual depression. Yeah. Where it like just this numbness, emptiness, and pain of like, this is what I want to do with my life, mm. and I am bad at it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now and then, you know, then it kind of, luckily my dad gave the other side of the coin, which was keep practicing, you'll get good. It wasn't about yeah. this, because he was not for acting, but he just told me, if somebody else can do it, so can you. And it's okay to be bad at something, because you can get better. Yes. Yeah, but that's like something, that's the curse of being an artist. At some point, you're always gonna be like, I'm, I'm shit at it. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. And then the sometimes you're gonna think, well, well, that's amazing. I'm so happy about it. Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna go through. I mean, I do. I go through yeah. those things. No, I'm, I'm before every single performance of like, before I do stand up. I'm 100% convinced that this is all bad. Yeah. I'm not like I'm aware that it's a mind like the mind tricking me. Yeah. But it still feels real. Oh yeah, self doubt is a. Yeah. I still do it, and once I go, once I start doing it, I'm start. I enjoy oh, yeah. it, and I'm like, eh. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, at some point, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I get into the art school. <laughs> Long story Long short. Long story short, I, I got in. Yes. It was actually pretty easy. And uh, easy for you, lady. There's a easy. bunch of people that are it, out there going, was, if I could get in. I there. know, but it was actually just pretty easy for me, and that's the thing. Like when you feel it, just fucking do it, because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It just took me five years to realize, to gather up the courage and fucking do it. Yeah. And I it mean, took like a life, like a full on life crisis of like full depression and going insane of being like, I just like, that cannot be my life. I need more. No, I think you, yeah, you had a hurdle, a mental block that yeah. it took you five years to get around. Yes. And I think that, you know, there's, everyone has mental hurdles about different things. Very few people are lucky enough not to have something. Yeah. Um, or not, nothing major, at least. But at the well, end yeah. of the day, here you are. Here I am. And you got all the time in the world left. I know. I know. So I was a, like, old student, kind of. I was 28. And they all, they told hey, me. I'm, I'm going to be 28 well, since well, the way. Yeah, what are you trying to say, lady? <laughs> but like they all told, they told me during the interview that there was a lot of like more mature students. 
But when I arrived, it was just 18 year old. <laughs> and I was, I was freaking out because I felt old. Because I had a whole life, and it was 18 pretty privileged kids mm. uh, that had like, yeah, privileged kids with, you know, famous artist parents and they've been doing that their whole life and they just been inside of it their whole life. And to me, it was completely foreign. The mm. language was completely different. Yeah. So it was hard for me to, my English wasn't as good as it is now, um, unfortunately. I, I didn't have any friends, I didn't know anybody, I had no money. It was just, and everyone seemed so confident. And I was just like, well, I took some pictures in my, like, I used to do that once a week in my little school in my hometown, and this is it. it is that okay? And then they ask you, they ask you to create, and they ask you to create 24/7 all the time, and to give like everything you have, and that for four years. So that will teach you some lessons. That will teach you some lesson, yes. But having inspiration for four years, every day, like every hour, is definitely hard and you definitely need to learn. I learned to be rigorous and to treat it as a job because otherwise you're not going to make it. And I've seen it with the 18 year old and that's why I'm actually happy to be a mature student as they call it because mm. you get, like, I knew what I wanted and I knew it was my chance and I'm not going to fuck it up. When you're 18, you're like, ah, and your parents can pay for another school and you, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You With me, it was life or death. It was this or going back home. That's, so that's I didn't a big really pressure. Yeah. When, and I loved it. <laughs> when you move to another country, yeah. When you move yeah. to another country for something, that's quite big to be like, it's either this or I'm packing up. Yeah, and because it's also a lot of money and my mother helped me the best she could, mm. but that was all of her money too. And that was like, so there's no, like, you can't fuck it up. Like, you have to do it because there's been too many sacrifices. So you're doing it and you're doing it well and then you're going to make money and reimburse your fucking mother. And you're going to do that soon. <laughs> but no well, pressure. Well, it's, 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 it's a good thing that you were at a level where you could do that. Yeah, oh, yes. Because... <laughs> you no, because I've become very aware recently that, you know, most you can do is try your best. And on many occasions that is enough. Or sometimes it's more than enough. And yeah. thank, you know... Yeah. Thank you, lucky stars, and be happy. Yeah. But on occasions, your best is not enough. It's not. It's and really not. And, and so that's hard like, to... That's why you have to appreciate the, the victories. You appreciate the victories, yes. So, like, the graduation now is... <laughs> it's like, thank you. So, there's, there's going to be some happy tears. There's going to be some happy tears, but there's also going to be terrified tears. Because now I feel like I am in an artist in the world and I have no safety net and I don't have, I don't have anyone that's like, oh, this is your deadline and this is what you have to do. Now that's, you have to do it by yourself. Yeah, and I never, I mean, I'm excited to do that and I know I can do it, but you know, and there's work and you have to pick up more shifts because you need more money and then are you gonna find the time? Are you gonna have the energy? Are you gonna, luckily, I've never been more inspired than since I stopped school. Like, I feel this... This rush, this, this surge. Yes. No, I found, yeah, I, I, there's a lot going on, especially right now, around this time, so... Yeah, there is, there is. And it's just... Like, when I... When school was over, I realized, oh my God, I can... Like, I started just, like, taking some Polaroids and writing. I was like, oh, for the first time in four years, 
I'm gonna create something that's not gonna be judged or graded or like it's just for me and just for so I can just for my pleasure just for my pleasure and it was liberating because art school is It's a race. It, it's they a say race. it's a marathon, not a race. But when you're in it, it feels like no, a sprint. It is. For, yeah. like I, my course was uh, one year. All right. Uh, but it was called a one-year intensive. It was intense. Yeah, it's very intense. <laughs> it's very. In it's so fucking intense. It's very intense. It's a lot, like physically, emotionally, and again, like I was very disappointed. One of my biggest disappointments and anger oh, is oh. that oh. <laughs> talking about rage, is the Here fact comes the performance. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the can fact that... Can you put that it into, like, a song? <laughs> I, can, I can sing it if you want. No, it's the fact that um, in art school, we don't talk about money. So money is not supposed to be... So maybe because there's a lot of privileged I can, kids. Yeah, I can... I don't know about the privilege, but not talking about money is something actors go through as and, well. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't exist and no one wants to hear about it, but I, okay, so I'm, I'm an idiot because I only do film photography and not digital. That costs a lot of fucking money. Um, my project for last year was uh, slides. The, just the, by this one film of like 24, 24 image on slide is 20 quid. And then you have the, um, developing of it which is like 20 quid. Hang on, so 24 image on one slide is 20 quid. Yeah. And then the developing. Thing. Yeah, there's another 20, 30 quid. Plus shipping. Plus is that per slide or per slide, yeah? No, per uh, per 24. Okay, not yeah. per picture. No, that no, no, would be not like per picture. Cheats. I also do Polaroids, which is Polaroid, yeah. uh, 20 quid for eight film. Mm. For, so for eight image, mm. 20 quid. And that's like money. And I don't, I have Nowhere to, and I could, so every, and see that's the thing, because I do darkroom, the paper is so fucking expensive, it's like a hundred pounds for like yeah. a, a few paper, uh, and you use a lot, because you do try test and you do, like it's, it's a lot, and so at some point you're like, you feel a bit drowned into in all that money, it's impossible to budget, and it's not taking, so everyone was like, well do digital, but Instead of saying, you, yes, you keep with it and you're gonna do it and like pick up more shift, do whatever it takes, but fucking do it. All my tutors were like, do digital. And I don't... I mean, I can see the reason why they say that. I can see the reason why, but it felt... I'm not, I don't do digital. A Polaroid, there's nothing digital that can resemble that. Nothing. And okay. some artists only do, like, Polaroid is a valid choice. No, and nothing will ever come close. And nothing digital will ever come close to Polaroid. And it's also, and we're artists, we're talking about material and, like, sensory shit, you know? Like, yeah, what just, it feels like, what it seems yes, visually. Yes, it's like. an object, too. And yeah. it's not, so if it's to work in front of a computer, I don't, uh, that's not why I went to art school. Right. So that was an encouragement. So you, you're in a very interesting pickle. Yes. Because a lot of the monetized yeah. photography mm -hmm. is digital. Yeah. Huh. So I'm kind of putting myself... I, I like to work under pressure, right? Under pressure? And, yes. And I like to... 
So sometimes I wish I would, oh, do you know what, this is who I am and you have to accept it. I, I'm gonna try to not do anything digital. I've never used a digital camera in my life. Right. I, I don't, I have no, I love- Have you considered the, using an iPhone? I don't, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm no. just pushing buttons, I'm just like. That's like nothing that will ever happen. Mm. And to me, if it's too, to me digital and analog is completely different. Right. It doesn't mean that it's any less. It means that it's different. And my, I, if I could work in the dark room for like my entire life, I would be happy doing that. Yeah. And with with digital, I don't have it. Mm. So that would be removing one of the most essential parts of my practice. So I'm thinking, you know what? Just make it as a get hired as a fucking film photographer. That may not work. So the only solution I have, so I want to, yeah, I, wedding, commercial shoots, that's not gonna happen. Not at my level. Maybe once I get a name, maybe that will happen, but at my level, no. So hopefully people will like my work and just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that is like, mm, like I don't I'm, know. I'm, no, no, absolutely. Uh, now, I think now you're uh, sort of, main challenge is finding ways to Make promote it work. your work yeah yeah. Hmm. yeah so that's i mean I, I didn't pick the easy easy day but i never did in my life and that worked out pretty okay so i'm just you're, you're good yeah yeah I mean. and you have that's something i learned in art school too if you don't it's okay to doubt and it's okay to be uh, modest but yeah. you have to sell your work. Like you have to believe in it. Absolutely, I, like. And it's a fine line, but you have to find the right, the right thing for you. You have to be like you have to be annoyingly obnoxious, mm. but also, I don't know, mother, honest. Yes. I can't tell people, you know, I'm, you're gonna come see in a play, you're gonna see an Oscar-worthy performance. Mm. I'm not an Oscar winner. I don't know. Maybe I can pull off an Oscar-worthy performance. Mm. I would like to think that I can, but I can sell people saying you got you've seen him in this and this and this when yeah. it happened at the same time i have to sell my stuff so yeah, i need to yeah, exactly. be like come see this show yes exactly that's the thing i can be like i'm the greatest photographer you've ever seen but i can't be like oh that's okay i guess that's fine no that's not no you have to sell your work you have to sell yourself you have to because that's something i haven't learned and that i need to learn is to sell yourself because every time people are like, oh, what, tell me about your work. I'm like, well, I'm so into pictures. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's just like, no, you have, and you know when artists talk and it's so fucking boring and annoying, it's like, okay, chill out, dude. You're just making like, I mean, but you I, have to do that. I'm one of those people in the art world where I, I, I see the beauty in it, absolutely. I also see the annoying bits yes. of like when people start going up on their own art and they're like, well, I, I, I was having this feeling. And yeah, exactly. And I can't like, stand that. It's bro. like when photographers tell you about their cameras. So my cameras and look at them, the lens and the thing. And I'm like, oh, no. Well, if I'm a photographer, I'm, I might be interested. I have no interest in it. Like none. I get so, I don't even, I don't even know what lenses I have. I just know that it takes the pictures I want it to take. So that's good enough. All the technical shit, I don't give a fuck. You have to know a bit of, like you have to know the basics. Yeah, you have to have some sort of You have to understand, but what I found is that I understand my camera and that's good enough. The dark room is a bit different. Again, you have to kind of know the basics, 
and then you get away with it. Just stop talking about the technical shit. No one cares. I mean, pick so, your audience. Don't don't talk yeah. like. If someone's interested, yeah, tell them. But if they're not, yeah, sure. And, yeah, but you I can't do. sell. Uh, this this is something I learned again when you're trying to sell stuff. Don't get bogged down by the specifics. No. I took this. Um, the, the, come see this. Uh, Portfolio of pictures I've taken with this camera at this setting. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody Tell cares. them what they're gonna nobody feel, cares. why they want to yeah. see it, what is the story. Yeah. Make it relatable. Yeah, and that's something I'm struggling with. I don't know how to. I'm just like, well, look at it, and then like feel how you feel. I don't care, and then leave me alone. <laughs> if you can make it any more French, I would be. Yeah, like, how you feel, how you feel. Oh, yeah, just, I don't give like, a shit. I huh? hate it when people are like, oh, what did you mean by that? I'm like, well, just whatever the fuck you wanted to mean. I don't, I don't care. Huh, okay. I don't I'm, care. I'm, I'm very much into communications. I see art as a way of communicating. Yeah, with my art, not with me. Mm, okay. That's like not... Of course I'm trying to communicate something, but even like, see an art school, you have to explain the reason why you do that and do the research and have a sketchbook and do, and you're marked on it. I'm like, I don't... If I knew why I was doing it, I wouldn't do it because I would be able to fucking verbalize it. Then I would just have words and I wouldn't have to use images to try to express it. Mm. So, so it makes no sense. Because if you know exactly, and if you can verbalize it, then why create it? It's already out there. You've said it. Well, certain things, I find it. I, I also write a play at the moment. Um, certain things are better shown than told. Like I can explain it to you in words yeah. so many times. Yeah. But when you actually see it happen in front of you, like, oh. Well, yeah, of course. And how do you explain a picture? See, that's the thing. Like I. I, gave, I wanted to be a photographer and then I kind of gave up on the idea because everyone was doing digital and I wasn't really too into it. Because I don't, I don't really like art. Right? So I don't Show <laughs> horror? Immigrant artist interview number one. Don't like art. <laughs> I've never... I'm actually a British woman this whole time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm from Glasgow. <laughs> Just picked up this French accent because I thought it looked cool. I'm actually from the West End. <laughs> yes. was born on Ashton Lane. On the brick road. <laughs> exactly. On the cobbles. Uh, no, I don't like art is, I like some arts. And when I like it, it changes my life and gives me a like, gut punch and just like makes me cry for months. Mm. Most of the time I look at art and I'm like, eh, well, that's pretty, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, the thing with art is that there's so much of it that there's, yeah. statistically speaking, a lot of it is just not that. Great. No. And when I look at like, see photographers, be before I look at a photograph and I'm like, oh my God, that is fucking amazing and my life is changed. I just like, th there's like very, very, very few pictures that give me that. Yeah. But there is like Nan Golden. Do you know her? She's Nan Golden. I'm not going to lie. I am very much not well versed in I'll photography. Show, I'll show you because she's fucking amazing. She took this picture of, um, so she was taking pictures of the people around her. Right. So it was mostly the gay community, uh, trans, um, there was a lot of um, addiction, um, domestic abuse, like she was, it was very personal. And she took this amazing picture of her friend dying of AIDS. It's just his hand and just him like dead on the hospital bed. Oh, and is he dead already? Yeah. Oof. And it was during the full on, like when AIDS started, 
uh, in the gay community mostly, and she just saw a lot of a friend dying, and she's the, only, the one of the first person who publicly talked about it and show what AIDS was. And that picture, you look at it and you're like, this is... Like now with the context, it's... It's incredible. Visceral, I guess. So when I saw her, I was like, I don't want to be... That's photography for me. Like, f photography. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do quite shocking and things. You can, time. yes. And you can, like, some pictures are fucking, like, can change the world. I do believe that. I, I believe they did. I believe, like, some uh, photojournalism pictures are, like, completely changed your perception. You know the picture of the... When I was a kid, we had this book, and it's, uh, it was about, like, the 100 greatest photojournalist um, pictures. And it's this young kid, little girl, naked, running in Vietnam during the war. Right. And there's, like, this army behind... It's, like, fucking... Like... Horrifying. Horrifying. But only a picture can do it. A painting won't do it. A song won't do it. This is like, this is it. Oh, it's a snapshot of a moment. Yes. And this is the reality of someone else. It's like seeing life through someone else's life, its eyes, which is something you can never do it. You can never let people know what you see and how you feel about it, except with photography. It's amazing. I think I think we found the geek in you. I got, I got a bit. Oh my god! Got, yes. Got a bit Good. overwhelming. My emotions were there. Good. Good. Um. But being an an artist in the UK is not straightforward. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. It's definitely not easy. As an immigrant, it's even Glasgow is a very. They really love, as they should. Glasgow is a wonderful place. Scotland is a beautiful country, but they love to be like they're a tight community. They right. love, you know, they're very like they're proud of their countries, they're proud of their accent, they're proud of like who they are. Uh, I think some of them might be sort of uh, um, not not coping, but it's almost like a reaction to when you're told, "Oh no, are you just Scottish?" I mean, of when, when you, when you yeah. constantly have to defend your identity. Yeah, it is of course, which is completely fair, and they should because it is a beautiful like people are amazing here. Absolutely. The weather is shit, though. Like, it's, like, but you know, it can be perfect. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but people are amazing. Yeah. But then it's it's hard to. I found it hard to get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've I've recently so I've also do the vlog and I did the thing about being in, where are the East Europeans in the UK mm. film TV market and yeah, I talked about there being these two forces in the industry. One is very open and very yes. uh, liberal, and one. Well, just let's put liberal aside because it's got to become political, but just very open and welcoming to all sorts mm -hmm. of people. I want to, you know, push them to like you see them and also at the same time sort of conservative, maintaining a certain status quo yeah. and stability and financial stability. And yeah, yeah. So that's that's a bit difficult because mm. you feel like no matter what you do, like no matter what I do, I'll be the French girl. Yeah. When I never. Like, it doesn't. I don't really believe in like nationality. I mean, of course, it's my culture. Yeah. But see, when I came to Glasgow, I didn't want any French friends. I didn't want to meet anyone. Huh. I wanted to be, like, with, with everybody. You know, and there's of course there's cultural differences, but that's what make it beautiful. You know, and it's, it's just great. Life. And we learn so much. And there's some things that Scottish people do that's so funny for me. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And then sometimes I talk, and people are like, okay, that's weird, and that's great. Like, it's uh, good. Accents are never not gonna be funny. 
And every, everyone's accent is funny in another language. That's just how it works because the sounds are completely different and they oh, yeah. set up differently. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm taking so much shit about my accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the persons who does a yes. little bit of this all the time. From I'm, someone in that room in Croatia. I'm sorry. I do because I'm an actor. I'm lo I love accents. I'm trying to learn them. So I, uh, I yes, annoy, that's how you do it. Sure. I annoy my friends with them. But that's why I. But I don't like. Of course, it's funny. I found it funny too. I mean, I think my accent is not that bad until I hear myself and realize that it's gigantic. But I don't. There's, not, there's no such thing as a bad accent. It's just different. It's just yeah, and it's just like sometimes it's strong. But like, I do, I don't mind it. It's just that it's. Yeah, I'm always going to feel like the French girl. Which mm. I don't mind either, but I would like to be, especially in the arts... But you like to be the rich French girl. I would like to be the very <laughs> rich and famous French girl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a challenge I find myself as well. Uh, in acting, it's slightly different because you play characters and yeah. people expect a certain level of authenticity when you play a certain character. Um, and that's why I was curious what it's like in your world because, you know, people can't say, well, I did not believe her as a Scottish... Yeah, no. ...whatever. No. But um, I see a bit... Because um, I take pictures of my family, right? So that mm. the project you saw is completely different than what I usually do. Yeah. So it's usually, yeah, just family and my mother and, you know, it's summer and we're French, so there's a lot of topless... The French Riviera. Yes, exactly. So my mother is always topless, and it's always a lot of... Those are not the pictures I saw. <laughs> no. For the record. Oh, you will. Everyone has seen my mother's tits at this point. It's just like... Uh, and I know that people were like... <laughs> so in art school, there were questions about like... Because I take pictures of my sister naked too. Because again, like we're French, we're naked a lot. We're home. It's warm. We just... Naked. I also, I'm also really interested in the relationship between women's body without any sort of... Because I, I think woman, pictures of women were taken by men and with some well, sort of desire. So if I take pictures of... I want to see the woman's body without any desire. Oh, so you, you know? yeah, so more in a... Um, not familiar, but like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Women in the natural habitat, but like more yeah, common, more... Exactly. Not just that very one specific mindset yeah, of like boobs. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, you know the connection we ha you have with your mother's body? Everybody has it, because you spent yeah. years like... Hanging around that Hanging woman. around your Off mother's breast and yeah. like against her stomach. And her, so you know her breathing, you know her skin, you know her smell. It's this deep connection. And, and I have the same connection with my sister. Yeah, and siblings, yeah. Yes, but I was accused in the UK of having incestuous feelings towards my sister. Okay. Which was exactly the opposite of what I was trying to say and what I was trying to do. And that is a very, maybe... That might be a cultural thing. Cultural thing, thing because to me, a woman's body is... Oh, like at the beach, you see women topless all the time. Like Hang a woman's on, and breast is not. This person who accused you were they? She was a tutor. She was a tutor. Yeah. So that's what she said, and it made me feel hmm. like I called my sister crying, and I was like, "Do you think like does that, do I make you feel uncomfortable?" Like, like, oh. She was like, "No, you like that conversation is making me uncomfortable. Like, fuck off." No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's interesting. I mean. 
you know, a, a part of me is relieved that it wasn't a dude again saying this, you know? Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, thank you. Exactly. The ladies can take this one. Yeah, exactly, because she was like, oh, you're like a, it's your lesbian lover. And I was like, no, it's my sister. There is no feeling of desire. It's just her body. And I think the French maybe have, have a, are more comfortable with sex and with nudity. And just the physical body. And yeah. just the physical body. And it doesn't mean something sexual. I mean, it can, but it, it's just like when you look at your mother's, like, when I was a kid, I would sit on the toilet and look at my mother taking a shower and getting off the shower and drying and putting her like moisturizer and doing her hair and makeup and I would love her body. I just wanted to see her body. And I loved like she would bend over and she would have those little rolls and her like breasts were hanging out and she was and it was just beautiful. Because it was and real. It's a familiarity. Or? Yes. It was such a familiar it's like home. Mm. And obviously that's not something that was um, understood. I mean, yeah, for, for East Europeans it's very different as well, I think. We're not, yeah. we're not that comfortable with naked bodies either. Yeah, I was talking to um, a Polish and a Latvian woman, and they're both in art school too, and they were talking about showing their breasts in their pictures. So taking self-portrait and showing their breasts as, um, as a big thing, as a rebellion moment. As for me, showing breasts is just like, oh, it's a... Yeah, there you go, like, yeah, it's, to me, there's nothing, because the, my culture is a lot more, like, don't, don't really care. I don't think there's any French movie where you don't see some tits. It's Fair. just... I mean, I, I remember the first, sorry, just, mm -hmm. I think the Germans might be slightly, the German culture mm -hmm. might be slightly open to it as well, because I remember going, first time ever, I went to a German sauna, mm -hmm. and the, the sign is only clad in bitte, which means no clothes. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And then I was just like, well, here we go. Well, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was the first time I was in a public place where it just said no clothes. So I was like, and that means mm -hmm. none. Yeah. In we go, lads. Yeah. Well, yeah. But that's the thing. Like when I, I grew up with my aunts and my grandmother and some of them were pregnant and there was baby around and they were all topless at the beach, all fully naked. My grandmother would change in front of me. My mother would like, they were always, their bodies were always there. Hmm. And it wasn't something you would notice. No one gives you shit at the beach or no one gives you like, it's just something that's there and that's completely, you breastfeed, like right then you just like remove your shirt and just breastfeed. That's fascinating. Cause like, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, it's changing a bit now, but. I'm not sure if you know this dance, but basically in Eastern Europe, anytime you're at a beach and you want to get changed, Either you find the bush and you get changed in a bush, or the classic, which is you get the towel, yes. your mate holds the towel, yeah. you do the whole thing, you do all that dance. It's like okay. And I mean, we have that in France too, but if you don't want to, then you don't have to. Mm. Like, but no, like that's that's the standard. You don't yeah. see people regularly yeah. going. Yeah, Let's go. exactly. When in France, we don't we don't really care. Interesting. I mean, I'm you know I'm just here to you know. I have fun and interesting conversations well, and learn go. about different cultures and stuff. So, but I think it's such a healthy uh, way also of looking at women's body, you know, as more than just a. It makes it more commonplace. Yes, exactly. It's just like, and oh, I there's a grandma, there's a pregnant lady, there's a, and there you go. You don't like you're not gonna look at someone's breast and be like, oh, that's old or that's saggy or that's like you just oh, it's a breast. Mm. They, I mean, yeah, in, in certain aspects it makes sense because if you think about it. 
in a day, unless you're a porn star, you're not gonna spend most of your day having sex. You know, most of your day no. having, you're gonna spend your unless you're very lucky. Otherwise, you just like have shit to do. Yeah. Yeah, but like your relationship to your body on a regular basis is not sexual. Well, yeah, of course, exactly. So like, yeah. Yeah, I always like. Well, I'm not used to having neighbors, so I always have to like, kind of remind myself that there's neighbors. But otherwise, you just walk around naked. Ah, so you're the okay. So you're that neighbor. I'm I'm that neighbor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I try to think about it, and then I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm sure they've seen. My mother always told me when I was, if I go, if I was going out and like I had a big cleavage, and I was like, oh, is that too much, or is that am I showing? Like, is that not much? enough? Is that, well, exactly. <laughs> and she always told me. If they've seen tits before, they're not going to be shocked. And if they haven't, then they can thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a lovely conversation there with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's tits. I you mean, know, you know what? will get over it. Yeah, you know what? I'm not, I'm not from a culture that, you know, has that. Or I'm, I was raised by East European Jehovah's Witnesses. So I'm definitely yeah. not from that culture, which... But I can I can see the the sort of the healthy sort of the the positives of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just a body. A body is a body, and it helps you too with your self-image, because it gets to see like your mother with a cellulite and with like all like I don't know rolls or saggy. And you know what's coming. It, yes, and you don't think when you see it, like when you see it on yourself, you're not shocked. It's just part of being having a body. Yeah. You have there's stretch marks, and so you don't have like. Because otherwise, the only naked bodies you see are the movies. Or the porn stars. The porn stars or fucking Instagram, where they're fucking like so edited that it doesn't look like a body anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah. So you don't see like the just the hum human bodies are just also disgusting. Yeah, I mean, get used to it, you're not perfect forever. No, there's hair, there's like stretch masks, and like, you know, you just, you're made of blood, sweat, and tears, basically. It's not pretty. That's, uh,. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's what the thing is like once you become more accepting of these things, they become sort of beautiful in a, in yeah. a different way. Of course. Then you'd traditionally be like, oh my god, the, the perfect shape and the perfect yeah. lighting and all that stuff. When, once there's a beauty in just the imperfect and the well, yeah, exactly. Like, I and the flawed. Like my all the pictures of my mother's are about like the you know the neck that's starting to lose its. You know, shape and yeah, the, the breast and the weight that she gained during menopause and the, my sister's stretch marks or like the, that's what I find beautiful and because just it, real. Because yeah. I've got like I've got some scars. Like I've got yeah. this cigarette, which has a very interesting story behind it, and I've got this one, and I'm kind of weirdly proud of both of them. Well, yeah. Because this one, <laughs> basically, I um, there was a curtain that was gonna fall out and I reached after it and as it was falling out it scratched me. And the reason I'm proud of it because it represented me that was like a year into me being li living by myself in the UK. Mm -hmm. So it was like, yeah, that's like a memento of me, yeah. you know, crazy things happening to me while mm -hmm. I'm living by myself. And it's like, I'm on the adventure. And then this one, this was a bit more complicated because um, I was after high school, I was seeing this girl for like one month. We literally had our first kiss at prom. And then we saw each other for about a month Aww. before the exams, and then nothing. You know, after no, not that nothing happened. After that, we, we broke it off. But that was like my first kiss and my first, a lot of my firsts. Mm -hmm. And 
we, when the breakup happened, she said, oh, I'm busy. It wasn't even a breakup. It was like, oh, I'm busy, you know, I'm doing something, can't see you, whatever. We're out on town after the, one of the exams, getting shit faced with my pal. And I bump into her, walking, you know, also partying in the town mm -hmm. with her ex. So that pissed me off. And at that time, I was not okay with, sort of, I didn't know how to handle anger and pain yeah. and things like that because I was very much brought up to be a very good and very well-behaved person. And also, I put a lot of that on myself as mm. well. I, want, I wanted to impress, so I kind mm. of added a layer on top of it on my, of my own volition. So I just remember the, re, the way I handled this anger and expressed it was self-destructive. So I remember being in this bar going with, this, with these pals. Someone gives me a cigarette. No, don't normally smoke. When I got to that level and I wanted to be destructive, I, I would smoke to be self-destructive. Mm -hmm. I know it's bad for me, I'm gonna smoke. Yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, what about I put out this cigarette on my tongue? And mm -hmm. she goes, don't do it. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, maybe another tongue. Okay. Mm. And that was that story. So it's, uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not proud of this one, but I am fast. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a part of my- reminder not to- Don't do it again. Yes, don't do it anyway. Yeah, but it's, it was a life, it's part of my life story and it's part mm. of a lesson that, this is who I used to be. I used to be somewhat self-destructive and I grew out of it. I learned and I became a different person, but it's like, yeah, that was a part of me. Yeah, but that's how I feel about my fucking tattoos. Because yeah. I look at myself and I'm like, I'm so tattooed, like this is, if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't. Like it's just, I found tattoos a bit ridiculous now. You're checking the cameras too. Is it, yeah. Because I, but I would never, like there's some that I would like to erase, mm. of course. But like many things in my life I would like to erase and I can't. So like that's the, just the, if I could do it again, I wouldn't have any tattoos. Yeah. But, or maybe like one tiny little shit. But you know, you can't do it again. That's the lesson in life. Yeah, and I, that's that's. You have one to of live with what you, with who you were. Yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to the same thing when I when I bump into sort of a thing which I which I, I wish I was different. I wish mm. the world was different. I could do it differently. And I'm like, if the world was different, mm. we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Because yeah. the world the world history would have been completely different. Yeah. So it's no, like there's no point in like thinking about that. It's good. I think it's good to have some regrets that are really yeah. hurtful because that way you're like okay that's i will never allow it to happen again yeah that's a lesson yeah. that's a lesson so that pain is useful the rest you can like oh also yes like there, there's there's some value in pain and painful experiences but at the same time i i always refer back to the world is what it is and it allows pain and things like that if, and because we're if it was different, we wouldn't be here. All mm -hmm. the good stuff that has ever happened to me, all the joys, all the great things, the music, everything. I would have to give all that up as well if the world was different. Well, yeah. So it's more like a make peace with the bad stuff and just celebrate the good stuff and yeah. enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. If you can, yeah. If you can. Yeah. Hopefully you can. Hopefully you can, yeah. <laughs> and on this sort of existential note, I have one, I have one final question. I think this is oh going to be God. my closing question for every single interview, which is right. if there was one dish that you, you could like, I'm trying to think of it because there's not, there's never only one dish, Yeah. No. but the idea being of like what you, you brought 
you either brought with you from home, you wish you could have brought with you from home, or you want people in the UK to know of from back home? God, one dish. If there's more than one, you can do two. I think... I'm gracious. I think it will be my grandmother's pizza. Okay, okay. That's like, she passed away, so like there's no more, like there will be never, like I've tried, tried to make it, it doesn't taste the same. Mm. It's not the same because she had this garden and she will make like everything, like she will make like those like jars and that she will keep for months and she had this like big oven, like wooden oven and the pizza was just fucking like the best thing you've ever tasted in your life. The, the paste was like this big, like little bubbles of air. Like, oh my God. Oh man, so I haven't eaten before this, this is gonna be tough. It, but, yeah, same. But go on. It's fucking amazing. Right. Any and my grandmother's pasta. I keep forgetting that you're right near Italy, so your yeah. cuisine is not. No, it's not really French. It's more like Mediterranean. Nothing. So it's a lot of it uh, olive oil. Right. And my grandmother was Italian. So, okay, well that. Okay. And they had a little house in the country in the Italy, so where they had their own vegetables. And right. the food, there is no way to like. You know when people tell me, "Oh no, my mother's food is the best." I'm like, you don't know. Everyone, um, most people's mother's food is the best. Like, I'm, yes, but I, I had two grandmas. One of their cooking was definitely better than the other one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mine too. Yeah, my other grandmother was like shit. But my is she still alive? No, they're okay, all, so she, they, no. she can't. She, she can't. It's fine. She knows it too. She's not like she, she was good at salads, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a color. She made a great salad. Um, you know, for a picnic on the beach, sure, why okay, not? Okay, okay. But my grandmother's Italian food was, it was just, and she would never like really teach you. Ah, so I, I could just hang out and be, she didn't have like a cookbook or anything. Mm. She just, and she was doing like from nothing, she could make the best. She, oh my God, yes. The smell okay. of a flat. Okay, the so your grandma. Oh, yes. So grandma's homemade. Okay, hiya. I'm filming this just as I'm editing the clip. Uh, basically, the I ran out of uh, space on the SD card just as she said her final words. And just as I was saying that her favorite meal is her grandma's homemade pizza. We just heard the sound and went da -da -da -da, and that was that. Um, but yeah, that was the interview. Uh, hopefully next time I have more space on my card. I was very pleased, very grateful to have had this opportunity and just had this lovely conversation with my friend. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have and there'll be more coming in a week. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.